Morning live on this September 24th, 2023. Give some people some, <clears throat> some time to jump on if you're watching this by replay. I appreciate you watching this. If you are in our New Day Global community group on Facebook, welcome. <clears throat> Thank you for jumping on and taking time with this. If you are, um, watching by live by YouTube. I appreciate you watching live. I appreciate everybody that watches this live and also everybody that has a chance to catch it um, by replay as well. So, again, just going to give a few minutes. I'm running a minute or two late or later than I want to be, and uh, this should be a fun discussion that we're going to have today. I'm going to be really just thinking out loud and trying to start some discussion. Didn't have a lot of time to prepare for this one this morning because uh, this time of year is uh, this weekend in September, this time of year is a busy weekend for us. My son Josiah had his birthday on September 21st. Julie had her birthday yesterday. And I think Josiah had a friend who also had a birthday yesterday. We went to a birthday party for them or for his friend yesterday. So I have been partying all weekend. <laughs> I've been at birthday parties and stuff and uh, I've had some things on my mind that I want to share. And so I thought I would just jump on here and not really so much have a topic that I want to teach, but something I just want to open some discussion about. So I'm going to lay some groundwork or some foundation for what I want to talk about first. And this isn't exactly a uh, trigger warning. <laughs> Good morning, everybody that's jumping on. Good morning, Marietta, James, Trinity's Friend Channel. I like that name. Good morning. Um, so I want to not, again, not a trigger warning. A trigger warning is usually, you know, we're going to talk about content that may open up uh, trauma or something for you that you're not ready to deal with. So we let you know ahead of time this is the subject matter we're going to cover. And um, if it you're not ready to deal with it, then, you know, we're letting you know ahead of time. This This is not that. But I do think by the time this discussion's over, that uh there will be some of you on here, some of you that watch this, that may be like, um, what? What is he talking about? <laughs> because I'm going to discuss something that's sort of personal to me that I don't hear talked about a lot in spiritual circles, if at all. I don't hear this at all talked about in spiritual circles. <clears throat> and so before I open it up and talk to you about what I uh, have in my heart, have in my mind to talk about, I want to lay some groundwork so that hopefully I can be as I can communicate as clearly as possible with the intent of being understood. And then I'd love to see, you know, in the comments or in the group this week and going forward for a few weeks, um, some discussion around these things. Because I'm wondering if this is something that is uniquely rarely true in a person's life <laughs> or if you guys resonate with it and if there's other people out there that say yeah i can relate to this i can resonate with what you're saying 
Uh, I know. It sounds like I'm talking in riddles, and I kind of am on purpose. So let me just state a few things if you haven't figured it out yet. One of the things about me is that I tend to be incredibly eclectic in my approach to things. And I really am slow to commit to things because one of the things that I realized when I was on this deconstruction path was that I gave myself and made a lot of compromises with myself and gave my life to a lot of things with just because I was taught that's what I was supposed to do. I, uh, if you've been following the YouTube channel at all this week, um, the last few videos, I've talked about some subjects. I have a video up about Jesus and Lucifer. I have a video up talking about the left-hand path of spirituality. Got lots of good comments on the first video of left-hand path spirituality. Not so much on the second video, but it didn't get as many views either. Um, so you might, it, it might be worth your time to go and watch those videos. And even if you watch this one, to maybe watch those videos and then come back and watch this video again. But where I want to start with this, because yesterday was the uh, fall equinox, September 23rd. And <clears throat> I noticed, I was made aware by some people in the group, uh, and some people who sent me some videos. I, I didn't realize that this time period, the fall equinox, really maybe starting with the super moon, that the super blue moon that was on, uh, I think it was the 30th of August. It's my birthday. And then I think like the 14th of October or something, there's uh, in parts of the world, parts of the U.S., there's going to be a ring of fire eclipse. And so there's lots going on in the sky, right? There's lots going on in the stars. I mean, I don't think we'll have a super blue moon for like another, I don't know, decades. And we won't have another full eclipse that we can see in the United States for something like another 130 years or something. I didn't dive deep. Like I said, I didn't dive deep, deeply into all this stuff, but what it is interesting, right? It is interesting. And it's interesting for me because I shared last week or two weeks ago that I really felt a shift and I really have felt a shift since August, an amazing shift in the energy in my own personal life. And it relates personally to me to being at the end of a seven year cycle that I knew was starting seven years ago. So it just makes sense for me. I don't think everybody's on the same trajectory in terms of what they're working out in their life or what season they're experiencing. So in other words, I can feel the energy shifting for me in really positive ways. Um, it felt like the last, I wouldn't say the full last seven years, but if I had to pick a theme of the last seven year cycle that I've been in, it would be one of resistance. It would be one of opposition. It would be one of uh struggle. And, I just feel the shift and the change in the energy. I feel more supported. I feel more like like I'm in a wide open space. I can just feel that shift of the energy. And as I was experiencing that, as I was talking about that, I wasn't really aware of what was happening in the sky in terms of the sun and the moon during this, you know, brief period from August 30th to October 14th. But the other thing I wasn't aware of was I did not realize that there were people out there um, 
talking about the rapture. <laughs> talking about the rapture again. I saw some posts and what have you that yesterday was supposed to be the rapture or at some point in September. They always kind of pick September around the equinox if they're going to set an actual date, which I find interesting. And that goes all the way back, I think, even to 1988 when I first became aware of the rapture when kids in my high school were passing around tracks and pamphlets and a book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. And so, and then I remember a few years ago, who's the preacher's name in Texas? John Hagee, I think, wrote a book called The The Blood Moons and connected it with the rapture and connected it with the end times and had sort of picked a date and time for the rapture to happen back then. And so I didn't know that was going on in the Christian community again. And it amazes me that people still listen to that stuff. You realize that every single prediction about the second coming of Jesus has been 100% wrong 100% of the time. Every single prediction about the coming of Jesus has been wrong 100% of the time. 100% wrong 100% of the time. And yet, for some reason... It's okay in that community to just repackage it. I remember watching the late great planet Earth uh, documentary in the mid-1980s. No, uh, it would have been late 1980s, early, maybe around 1989, 1990. And I remember Hal Lindsey beginning the, who, who wrote the book, The Late Great Planet Earth. Some of you may have no idea what I'm talking about. But it was a book and a documentary about how all the signs that Jesus pointed to for the end of the age in Matthew 24 and the book of Revelation, how it was lining up with current events and how things were happening. And he starts the, I'm going to adjust my camera here a little bit. He starts the, the video, the documentary in the book out by talking about how in the Old Testament, if you had a prophet who predicted the future and that future event did not happen, that that person was a false prophet And in one place in the scriptures, that person was to be stoned. That person was to be executed or killed because they were wrong. And so he talks about the importance of accuracy. Then he goes in and writes several books about the second coming of Jesus and the rapture. And I'll be honest, I don't even know if Hal Lindsey is still alive. I mean, that was, gosh, you know, that was actually in the 70s, I think, that he wrote that book or the early 1980s. And so we're talking more than 40 years ago, right? And his his stuff didn't come to pass. And yet it people will buy that stuff. People will buy that stuff. People will get into that stuff. And I'm curious how many of you on here in this group have rapture anxiety from stuff that you saw as a kid. I remember seeing, and I wasn't even a kid. I was like 18, 19 years old, and I saw the films. Um, oh, I don't know. They made these cheesy uh, films about the end times. Um, and in the first film, it's all about the rapture and they had this song, you know, I wish we'd all been ready about people disappearing because Jesus had come and taken them away. Thief in the night, thief in the night. That's what it's called. And then, yeah, somebody says, uh, the left behind series. Um, we had the left behind series in the nineties, right? And so this stuff just keeps getting repackaged and repackaged and repackaged. And when I was more into Christian leadership, I would get lots of people asking me, do, do you think this is true? You know, you could feel the fear in it. You could feel the fear that people had. Do you think this is true? Do you think this is really what's going to happen? 
um, et cetera, and so on. And it's like, at what point can we just say they've been wrong every single time? Why would they be right now? And it's it's interesting, though, that there are particular seasons where what I call rapture fever, what people have called rapture fever, there are particular seasons or times. Um, in other words, there's there's it, it, it doesn't reach this fever pitch all the time. It doesn't reach this fever pitch. People aren't talking about the second coming or worried about the second coming or looking for some sign or some event that's signaling the second coming all the time. But there seems to be periods or seasons where it just gains momentum. It just picks up steam. And this apparently was one of those seasons and one of those times. And so my answer to that is if you had a financial investment, if you were investing on Wall Street and you had a company that every time they reported, every time they they gave you an anticipation for the next uh, profit and loss report, the next financial report, that it was going to be amazing. And that if you just invest in their stock, you're guaranteed to make money. And then every time they give you a report, every single time, they lose money, then at what point do you just look at that and say, I'm not going to invest in that anymore. I'm not going to invest my belief system. I'm not going to invest my emotions. I'm not going to invest my fear in that anymore because they're going to be wrong this time just like they were wrong last time. So <laughs> that's kind of my approach to that, right? And so apparently the rapture was supposed to happen, <coughs> excuse me, yesterday or something or this weekend or something. And, you know, to the best of my knowledge, I mean, I'm not saying that I would have gone up in the rapture, especially this current version of myself. It didn't happen. And it's not biblically, it's not a biblical argument anyway they have to take and twist scriptures and make them fit things and it changes all the time and so to me that's just transparently not a thing right it's just um not something we should give any time or energy to and certainly not something that we should give our money towards now if you'll remember on this in many videos here i've said that i've noticed when i was in um, in and around certain groups that would identify as new age or would identify as awakened or conscious or spirituality or love and light, pick the label that you want to use. I noticed there were a lot of similarities. There were a lot of the same principles and similarities that were happening with those groups that I saw in the Christian groups. And so for me, I wouldn't just reject that outright because they were similar, but there's at least a yellow light for the car, right? There's at least this thing, proceed with caution, be careful, uh, be cautious about this. And so I had some people send me videos that apparently, you know, um, you know, there was a group of people in the channeling community that were being told by alien entities or non-physical entities or non-human entities that there was going to be a massive shift in human consciousness um, this weekend. Uh, one video that I saw, 
the there was going to be a solar flare that was going to give a loud thunderclap that everybody was going to hear, and then people would just start receiving random downloads about what's really happening in our world, and time would stand still for 15 minutes, and and so there's almost it has the same flavor. You see what I'm saying? It's like so now instead of the rapture or going to heaven. We have the ascension of the planet, which is going to go 5D, or it's going to go into the fourth density, or uh, humanity's going to, you know, get hit with a vibration of energy that's going to cause an awakening and a purging. And so it's like, it, it's still this thing that says, we hate it here. We hate it the way it is. And look, I get it. I mean, there's a lot to not like here right now. <laughs> There's a lot to not like about being a human being. There's a lot of suffering involved. There's a lot of uh, complications. There's a lot of pressures. There's a lot where we live in a species that has been at war with itself and divided and tribal and all this stuff. And there, you know, it'd be wonderful if there was this utopia coming in our lifetime or this grand event that was coming that would just shift and change everything and make a perfect society or at least make society better. Uh, but I just, you know, my, my yellow flags, I won't say red flags, but my yellow flags, my cautions go up when I hear about this type of stuff, because to me, it's the same kind of thing. And it's like waiting for this singular event that's going to happen at some particular point in time that's going to cause mass awakening or that's going to cause massive ripples of change in our society so that we wake up and whatever humanity's been doing for thousands of years, for millennia, all of a sudden there's going to be this massive shift that's going to take place and everything's going to be better. And then we start setting dates and then we start coming up with these fantastical ideas of disclosure or downloads or revelation or things like that. And I'm, again, I'm not out here talking about this to be overly critical of that kind of stuff or cynical or skeptical about it. I'm just starting the discussion, right? Because I don't know, man. I mean, on the flip side, you have, like, with the rapture people, when I was in Christianity and everybody was looking forward to the the rapture, buying into those teachings, you, you had people in at least two groups. You had believers who were insecure about their salvation, insecure about where they were at for whatever reason, who were afraid of maybe missing it, or younger people in particular who wanted to have a life, who wanted to have a career or get married or have kids or whatever, who were thinking, I'm going to miss out on some of that. And then you had a group that was really looking forward to it. You know, I remember at a point in time when I was younger and I didn't want to deal with the pressures of becoming an adult. And I was going through a very difficult time and it felt like just awful, right? And I remember sitting, I remember one particular time getting so caught up early on, you know, when I was 18, 19 years old in the rapture teaching and theology, and I had to, uh, uh, I, I just had a, had a bad day. And I was saying and praying, you know, Jesus, if the rapture's coming today, would be a great day for the rapture. So you have people in that camp, too, people that just, they're tired of life here, they're tired, they're dealing with something that's overwhelming that they're not able to manage, and they just want to escape it. And they just want to get away from it. And then 
we set these dates or we set these periods, you know, it's going to happen next year or it's going to happen in 1988 or it's going to happen sometime around the month of September in 2023, and then it doesn't happen, what level of disappointment does that create? And then at what point does disappointment after disappointment after disappointment after disappointment begin to cause the person to feel some disillusionment? When does it begin to cause a person to feel some angst or some resentment or some like I said, disillusionment. And so I just don't see the value in going out and saying, hey, on this particular, because of these astrological events, on the, at this particular time or in this particular period, this massive thing is going to happen that's going to either wreck our world or change our world or cause us to ascend or cause our planet to ascend or cause our race to go to the next level or whatever the case may be. Like, like why do we have to know about it ahead of time anyway? Why do they have to tell us? And guaranteed there will be people that will come out, the same people that were saying, you know, on this date there's going to be massive downloads. And in the video that I saw, and I don't even know who this was or how prominent this is, but in the video that I saw, the person is like, you know, millions of people around the world are going to get downloads and they're going to see that everything that they thought was true is false. And I guarantee you they're going to come out and forget about the part where they said millions of people are going to see this and it's going to cause a whole shift and change in our planet. But they'll come out and they'll say that they received something. And if you listen to what they're saying or if you listen to what the entity that they're channeling or that's using them as a channel, if you listen to what they say, then you're going to be participating in this grand event or whatever. Like, why would we need to know about it ahead of time anyway? If there's going to be this this thing that happens, this energy or this awakening or this disclosure that happens that just wakes up millions and billions of people and begins to turn the tide on our society, why can't that happen without us being told about it ahead of time? So that's just my thoughts on that. <laughs> now, <laughs> back to what I said earlier, I am feeling a shift and a change in the energy, and it could be connected to astrological events. I don't know one way or the other, and it could be on a more collective grand scale, or it could just be on an individual scale. I don't know one way or the other, right? So that's my response to that. I probably should have saved that for the group tomorrow night because I'll be doing a question and answer tomorrow night at uh, 6 o'clock Mountain Time on the group where I go live and I answer questions. I've had some questions that were asked on the YouTube channel. I've had some questions that were asked in the group that I'll be attempting to answer tomorrow night. And then if you come on live and you want to ask me some questions, we can engage in that as well. But let me come back to the equinox. So we experienced the autumn equinox. And so from now until like December 21st or 20th, I don't remember when it is this year, um, the days, the, the nights will start getting longer than the days. And that will be the case. Nighttime will be longer than the days until we get to the spring equinox in March, right? So this is a time every year that we experience the darkness. So I want to talk a little bit about darkness. I want to talk a little bit about light. And does it relate at all to our lives? 
to our growth, to our personal growth or to our spiritual path or anything like that. But I want to, it's interesting to me that in the Bible, in scripture, and therefore in sort of the Western psyche, the Western collective unconscious, darkness and light are used as metaphors for evil and good, right? To be in the light is to be good. To be in the light is to be favored by God. To be in the light is to be walking with God. First John chapter 1 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him and we have fellowship with one another. Paul says in several places that we're to reject the evil works of darkness, um, the Demonic entities, the devil, whatever those things are in the Bible are referred to as the powers of darkness, the rulers of the darkness of this age. So darkness and light has come to mean things for us spiritually in our culture, symbolically, to represent realities that have nothing to do on a physics level with darkness and light. So, again, light represents the good. Darkness represents the evil. Light represents honesty and truthfulness. Darkness represents, uh, light represents truth, right? Darkness represents ignorance or deception. And light represents good deeds that we're okay with people seeing. Darkness represents what people do in the dark, evil and deceptive means you kind of get where I'm going with this. I'm sure we could go on and on. Maybe you have some ideas in your own minds that you could list in the comments or something. <clears throat> so it's very dualistic. This idea between darkness and light is very dualistic. They're very opposite. So I want to take just a minute and talk about the philosophical concept and the philosophical presupposition of dualism or duality. And this is something that probably originated in Mesopotamia a few centuries before the time of Christ, before the Greco-Roman period. It's generally attributed to the philosophy of Zoroaster. And that is that the spiritual realm is populated and the world is made up in, at least from a metaphysical standpoint, Two very distinct and opposing categories that share nothing in common with each other. I'm going to say that again. It's a presupposition. It's something that we presuppose. Now, remember, again, when we're talking about spirituality, we're talking about the occult. We're talking about these things. There's no... Like, if we start asking ourselves the question, how do we know what we know in this area? It can be an interesting pursuit for us. How do I know what I know? Well, I know it by experience. Okay, but your experiences are yours alone. You may share some experiences in common with some other people, but your experiences are yours alone. I know it intuitively. Well, your intuition is yours alone, right? You see what I'm saying? Like, And then, well, I know it because these channeled entities said it. Well, if you're going to do business with somebody, 
you're going to get in a business relationship, let's do it this way. Let's say that you're, you have a place that you're going to rent or you want to rent a place. So you want to rent a home or you want to rent a house that you own to some renters. Most of the time, there is a vetting process that takes place, a vetting process that takes place before you can move into that home as a renter or before the renter will rent to you. Why? Because they want to know that what kind of a renter you are. Are you someone who's going to pay rent? Are you going to pay the correct amount? Are you going to pay it on time? Are you, or are you someone who uh, I'm going to have to be chasing down every month, who's going to get a month or two behind, that I'm going to have to go through the trouble and expense of evicting because I'm losing money on the investment if I'm if I'm the renter? Or are you someone who takes care of the home? Or are you someone who's going to trash the home? Are you going to, you know, rip out the wiring and take the light fixtures and everything and the appliances when you leave? So you have to go through this vetting process. Heck, even if you're going to buy a car, there's a vetting process where there's a credit check or something. But this rental process can be intense, right? So there's rental checks. There's references. If you're going to get a job, there's a vetting process. You can't just say you had a degree from someplace. You have to get official transcripts to prove that you have that degree. You can't just say that you have a license to practice something. You have to be licensed with the regulatory agency of that state, and they have to be able to verify that. You can't just say, like in my case, I have to carry insurance. You can't just say you have insurance. You have to show a policy that has to come from the insurance company that vets you. There's an interviewing process. There's a resume process process. There's a referencing process. Why? Because you can't just show up and say, hey, I'm a great employee. <laughs> if they're going to invest in you, if they're going to uh, give privileges to you, if they're going to rent to you, let you live in their house, if they're going to hire you and work with you as an employee, you can't, they're not just going to take your word for it. It's like, how do we know that all these things are true? And so there's this vetting process that goes on. And I think that's a wise thing to do, right? That can save us a lot of trouble down the road. Now, let's be honest. Your intuition cannot really be vetted. My intuition cannot really be vetted. Whoever's channeling whatever, and I'm not saying that this stuff isn't real, guys. I'm not. This is where, like, at the beginning, some of you missed it, I said, not necessarily a trigger warning, but this is going to make some of you, you know, maybe uh, hopefully think a little bit. But some of you may not. You may, what's he talking about? What's he talking about here? Listen, if somebody's channeling a alien complex, an alien species, okay, how do we vet not the person? How do we vet the entity that they're channeling? You know, Esther Hicks, I love what a lot of the stuff that Esther Hicks, Abraham Hicks does. I, I, I resonate with a lot of it. There's a lot of good stuff there. But how do you vet Abraham? Or I know a lot of people are into the law of one and raw. How do you vet raw? How do you do that? And some of you may have spirit guides that you talk to or entities that you're in connection with. It might even be Jesus or the Holy Spirit, or it could be an alien species, or it could be a spirit guide. How do you vet them? How do you vet them spiritually? And if you can vet them for yourself so that you're comfortable working with them, how do the people that you're talking to, 
that you're telling them this is what's going to happen or this is what you need to do to improve your life or this is how you should do life or this is how you should live. How do you vet? How does that person, how do they vet the entity that you're hearing from? Do they get re- reference letters? Do they, you see what I'm saying? So I think we need to approach these things with a little bit more humility. I think we need to approach these things with a little bit more grace for each other and with a little bit more flexibility. If if the last few years of my life have been about anything, it's been about flexibility, right? So we can have agreements that this is a cup and, you know, if I could show you there's coffee in it or let you taste it, you could taste it and see it and say, yeah, that's coffee. We have an agreement like it's easy to agree on that stuff. When you start getting into spiritual stuff, you're dealing with stuff where there is not collective agreements on what these things are. <laughs> and yet we can act like we can invest so much of ourself into it and so much of our identity into it that we can act like this. No, this is absolutely the way it is. This is absolutely what's happening, right? Instead of just sharing ideas and thoughts and go ahead and share them passionately, share them with conviction. Just be aware of the fact that this stuff can't be vetted and there's no generalized agreement on all this stuff. All right. So back to dualism. What we do have collectively in our unconscious is a, a general agreement, especially if we come out of Christianity, based on a presupposition that darkness and light are metaphors for evil and good or good and evil, truth and deception, truth and ignorance, illumination, enlightenment. <laughs> They're still in the dark. They're still not awake. They're still asleep. See, even even, even the language, we, we wake up, most of us live awake during the day. So when I awake, I'm awakening from the sleep. I'm moving from darkness to light. But again, these are dualistic categories that started with Zoroaster that says that, so here's the idea. So there are people that are in darkness, and those people, everything about the darkness is completely evil and wrong and ignorant, and it shares no characteristics with the light. Or from the idea of a spiritual community, uh, what I mean is unseen entities, the spiritual population, every spirit that's in darkness is evil and twisted and distorted and trying to deceive you and trying to damage you and trying to harm you and has nothing in common with God and is diametrically opposed to God. And then if it's light, I want light beings. I want beings who are full of light. I want beings who are only light or God himself dwells in unapproachable light and in him there is no darkness at all, right? And so everything about a being of light, everything about an angel, everything about a person who is enlightened, then we automatically, emotionally and subconsciously and unconsciously attribute positive characteristics and aspects with that we want to emulate, that we want to resonate with, and that we want to be like, and that we automatically trust. So the way we can vet things in the spirit is, well, if it's a being of light or it's a being that radiates light, then it's trustworthy, it's vetted because it comes from the light. And as long as I'm growing in the light and I'm shining light and my light is shining, then it's all positive. But if this is a dark energy, if this is a dark entity, if this is a dark being, then I know it's automatically vetted as being evil and being wrong. Now, think about the simplicity of that. Think about the simplicity. It's it's really uh, undeveloped and unnuanced because 
just just look at cognitive de- development in children. In children, the first categories that they develop are either or. There's never and both when they're first developing. I'll give you a perfect example. So with my youngest son, this is kind of a funny <coughs> story, but with my youngest or my, my oldest son, uh, my wife and I were having a friendly competition about whether he'd say mama or dada first. And I was having fun with it, and I spent a lot of time with him. Um, we we got about equal amount of time with him. But I would spend a lot of my time, and I'd just sit there and I'd say dada, 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 trying to trying to win the competition, right, just this, this silly thing. And we also had a dog, <clears throat> a black lab, that we called Bubba. And sure enough... Elijah's first word out of his mouth was Bubba. <laughs> so, so the dog won. <laughs> Bubba. And I'll never forget any animal that he saw was Bubba. And I'll never forget they had the Geico commercials back then with the caveman. Remember the Geico caveman? It's furry. And I remember a, a Geico commercial came on. And Elijah points at the caveman and he says, Bubba. <laughs> Here's my point. Any being with hair all over it was fit into the category of Bubba. And anything that didn't have hair on it was a category that wasn't Bubba. So every animal, every hairy animal, was a Bubba. Was in the same category as our black lab. It's only later that he understood the difference between dog and cat. See, that's a, that's a more nuanced category. And then later he could distinguish between a black lab and a chihuahua, even more distinguished category. You see what I'm saying? So as we grow and mature, our categories become more complex. Our categories become more nuanced. But in duality and dualism, it is very much an either or, and we just stop there. If it comes from the light, it's good. If it comes from the darkness, it's bad, and it's evil. You see what I'm saying? But is reality really like that? Is the world, even metaphysically, is it really like that? And if it is, how do we know? Because let's take the Old Testament, for example. And I'll talk more about this tomorrow night because I'm going to address a question that came up in regards to this. But in the Old Testament, prior to Judah and Benjamin's incubation in Babylonian captivity, where they were exposed to Zoroastrian philosophies, there was no dualism. There was no duality. For example, there's places in the Psalms where God says darkness and light is the same to me. There's places that says that God dwells in darkness. There's a place in Isaiah that, which is, depending on Isaiah, could be tricky whether it was written before or after Babylonian captivity. Most of it was written after. But where it talks about, I'll give you the treasures of darkness. See, to the dualistic mind, it's impossible to think there could be treasures in darkness. Because darkness is all associated with evil because of these unconscious beliefs and unconscious presuppositions. You see what I'm saying? These unconscious agreements that we have. <clears throat> but Yahweh himself was not all good and you know, all loving. That's, that's the, the, that's the thing, man. That's the problem that Christianity's had for 2000 years going all the way back to Marcion, who gave us the first canon of scripture was that there's no way that this, that this God of light and love that w- where is being told to us through the gospel and Jesus can in any way correspond or correlate to this God of the old Testament. 
who brings a flood, who gets jealous, who gets angry, who Moses interceded before and got him to change his mind. See what I'm saying? So in order, I'm, I'm laying all this foundation. I've only got a few minutes left here. I'm laying all this foundation because I want to ask this question because I noticed this about myself and I'm going to tell you where, how I got here. And this is where, um, this might be difficult for some people, but I'm just trying to have a discussion about these things. Because, again, I've never heard this talked about in spiritual circles. So I was talking with a friend. I won't say who it was because I didn't ask ahead of time. And I always like to ask. But I was talking to a friend, and they were talking to me about my own inner child and getting in touch with my own inner child. And we were talking about trauma and talking about how when we're traumatized as children – and then we're traumatized as adults that our inner child goes through all those various different traumas. And this person was inviting me to get in touch with my chi- my inner child some more. And so I've been thinking about that. And I want to, I'm going to tie all of this together, I promise. I've been thinking about that. And I'm going to be honest. I love this time of year. There's so much about this time of year that I love. I love the fall season. I grew up. On a farm, I grew up in a farming community. I remember the farmers uh, <clears throat> harvesting all their crops, <clears throat> getting fresh vegetables, getting fresh uh, fruits, getting, um, you know, celebrating harvest within a farming community. If you didn't grow up in a farming community, you may not resonate as much with this time of year, but it's such a wonderful time of year. But the other thing that I resonated with, that I've always resonated with, and I want to ask if there's other people out there like this. Since I was a child, if I go back to my child self, if I go back to my child self before a lot of the trauma that I had as a teenager, if I go back to my child self before I dove headlong into Christianity and studied it for 20 or 30 years, another reason that I liked this time of year is I have a part of me that resonates very strongly with night, with night energies, with nocturnal energies, or I'm just going to say it, it resonates with darkness. Now, you can see why it took some time to lay this out, because if I just came on this video and said, you know what, guys, there is parts of me, I love this time of year, from the autumn equinox to December to Christmas, especially love the fall, as it's getting darker, I especially love as we're moving towards Halloween because I resonate a lot. There is part of me that really resonates with the darkness. If I just started the video that way, I'd get a lot of shock value out of it, but I'm afraid I'd be misunderstood because it would be easy to automatically categorize what I'm saying is there's part of me that resonates with evil. There's part of me that resonates with um, destructive attitudes and ideas and behaviors and wants to bring harm to other people. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, let me, let me explain it. Let me break it down for you. Always and forever, since as long as I can remember, I've had a hard time going to sleep at a bedtime. I've had a really hard time with that. I always get super energized later at night. My most productive times, my most creative times, the times when I feel the best, the times when I feel most at ease, the times when I feel most at peace are usually from about 10 o'clock till about 2 o'clock in the morning. The time that I sleep the best, the time that I get my best sleep is usually 
sometime between 4 or 5 in the morning, and if I can, 9 or 10, 8, 9 or 10 in the morning. Just depends on what time I got to bed <clears throat> the night before. I'm always dragging in the mornings. I always hate the mornings. <laughs> That's why I like coffee so much. <clears throat> I love campfires. I love the moon and the stars. When I was a child, one of my hobbies, one of my early hobbies, in fact, the earliest hobby I can remember as a child was astronomy. Um, I remember building with my uncle, who was into astronomy, building our own telescope. I remember my best Christmas ever was when my parents got me a telescope that I'd been asking for for Christmas. I remember studying the constellations and looking at the stars and the planets and the moon and trying to figure out where the planets were and hoping that I could catch Saturn just right so that I could see the rings on Saturn. It's resonating with nighttime, resonating with darkness, resonating with nighttime energies, um, nocturnal energies, if you will. Now, here's where it gets touchy. I also resonated with monsters. Like, not that I wasn't afraid of monsters. Every kid's afraid of monsters. But I just loved the old, you know, Lon Chaney, Bella Lugosi, um, who, who's the other guy that played Dracula? Somebody help me out. He, he had a long acting career. He was in the, um, Hobbit movies, um, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, can't think of his name. I, I love those Dracula movies, the werewolf movies, right? Like I said, Lon Chaney, Bella Lugosi, um, the Mummy, the Creature from the Black Lagoon. I liked Stephen King, man. I liked his early books when I was young. I was reading Stephen King books. I liked, uh, I, I, I researched the vampire myths and I knew everything about every way to defend yourself and, against a vampire or kill a vampire. <laughs> I loved Halloween. I loved the, 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 the ghosts and the goblins. Yeah, somebody put it up there for me. Christopher Lee, thank you. Um, Great comments. I'm going to come back and look at those before we're done. Um, yeah, the Christopher Lee Dracula movies. I remember watching uh, Dracula Prince of Darkness when I was eight or nine years old, and I was just like, whoa. you know. And that, that really started my, if I'm honest, that started my interest in the paranormal. It started my interest in spiritual things. It, it started my interest in the supernatural. It wasn't so much... Um, I want to be able to do the works of Jesus, like what it later became. But I had this fascination with ghosts. I remember playing with Ouija boards. I remember my uh, uh, cousin getting a tarot deck for her birthday and wanting a tarot deck. And my mom was like, absolutely not. I remember wanting to get a witchcraft book. Absolutely not. When I was in high school, I was a metalhead, man. I mean, I just resonated with, with you know, heavy metal groups. And so there was also part of me that resonated with the shadows, the shadow side of life. It's part of the reason I went into psychology. It's part of the reason I went into therapy. It's part of the reason that I work with people who have been traumatized and things like this is because there's a drawing to those aspects of reality, those aspects of nature and life. Not, again, I want to be really clear, there's nothing in me that wants to harm other people there's nothing in me that uh thinks 
that murder or death or pain or suffering, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> should be practiced or glorified. Um, so it's, it's not that. It's not that. It's just a resonance. It's just a resonance with aspects of reality. And if I'm going to be getting in touch with my inner child, then this time of year from fall equinox to Halloween is a time that I like. I mean, I'll be honest with you, for the last several years during this time, I'll watch seven, eight, nine, ten horror movies, uh, scary movies, some that I like that I'll just revisit. I'll watch some of those older ones, but I'll watch some of the newer ones as well. Sometimes I'll ask for recommendations. Hey, what's a good scary movie that I can put on or that I can watch? And there's an energy to it. Uh, but also there's an energy to nighttime stuff. I always have my best prayer times when I was in the church at night. But we have so demonized darkness. We have so, in this dualistic category, said everything that was dark is evil and should be shunned. That I'm, that, that, that when you participate and you hear this language, which I have for 30 years of my life, you participate in spiritual groups where darkness is all evil and light is all good. And you want to be a child of the light. You want to be a child of the day. You only want beings of light to come and visit you. I, I was so bummed when I read in the book of Revelation that we would be in heaven. I mean, I remember when I was younger being totally bummed out when I read in the book of Revelation that in heaven, in the new Jerusalem, in the new heaven, and the new earth, there would be no nighttime there. There would be no nighttime. And I think it also said there'd be no more sea. Like I was into, um, I was into that stuff. Like <laughs> I was into night. I was into oceans. I was into water. If you think about moon and ocean, that's another resonance. Like I've always resonated with the beach. I've always resonated with the ocean. You think about the tides and the moon. There's another resonance there. You see what I'm saying? So my question is, so when, when you're, when you're, when you're into all this, this light working stuff and all this language about light and day and it's all good, 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 good. And there can be no evil and no dark, no, nothing to be afraid of and nothing harmful in it. And darkness is all bad, 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 bad. And you shouldn't resonate with it and you shouldn't like it and you shouldn't approach it and you shouldn't go there. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, in the Lion King where Simba's sitting there with his dad and he shows him the elephant graveyard and he says, we don't go there, son. We, you know, we don't go over there. Well, what does he do? He wants to go check it out. I was like that, right? I was like, I want to go check this out. I want to have resonance with that. I resonate with that stuff. So what do you do? So then the question becomes that you, you really can begin on this simple level. I'm not talking about when I'm talking about suppressing parts of ourselves or cutting off parts of ourselves, I'm not just talking about the stuff that could be potentially really destructive. Like I got a really bad temper and if I let it go, I might really hurt somebody. So I've got to suppress my temper. I have a really, uh, <clears throat> you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. You, you see what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about something as simple as enjoying, uh, Horror movies, something as simple as enjoying Halloween, something as simple as resonating with the night, uh, resonating with nighttime energies, resonating with nighttime realities, and wondering, oh, is there something wrong with me? 
is that a character flaw? Is that something that's going to lead me into evil? If I pursue this, if I if I watch The Exorcist, am I going to get a demon because I watched The Exorcist? If I uh, have an interest in vampires like it is a child, if vampires are a real thing, am I going to attract vampires to myself because I'm giving attention and emotion because I like it and positive emotion because I like this subject matter and I like this material is that going to attract and draw these negative things to me and if and and millions of people thousands of people lots of youtubers lots of people probably in this group would say yes if you give your attention to those things what you give your attention to you're going to draw and attract to yourself you need to be careful of that because you're going to draw and attract dark and negative energies to yourself and you only want to attract light energies to yourself but let's think about this so so what about and, and I'll probably come back and do a whole video on this for YouTube because, you know, my audience just loves this stuff. <laughs> they love to be challenged in their thinking. I'm going to get so many views off the next video that I do. But I want to start this discussion. I want to be open. I, I told you guys I was going to be open and authentic and genuine. And I've been thinking about this stuff. And so what I'll do is I will take uh, from the fall equinox, which was yesterday, until Halloween. And I will also delve into my own shadows. I will also do my own shadow work. I'll also, you know, try to be honest with myself about what's in the darkness, what's hiding in the darkness that is tripping me up. In other words, it's a pattern in my life that I keep repeating that I don't know is there. Kind of the Carl Jung thing, you know, until what's in your shadow becomes conscious, you'll keep doing the same thing and call it fate. You'll keep self-sabotaging and call it fate. But also there can be treasures in darkness. There can be richness in darkness. What's in there? I, I vibe with these nighttime energies and I feel alive and I feel energized and I feel creative. How can I tap into those energies and use those energies in a positive way to create a better world for myself and for others? If I'm afraid to tap into those darker energies, then what happens is, is I'll be afraid to use that energy, which I most resonate with. I resonate more with nighttime than I do with daytime. So if I attune myself to those energies, I can be more creative. If I attune myself to those energies, I can manifest a better world. If I attune to those energies, my inner child comes alive. And if my inner child comes alive, I feel better mentally and emotionally. You see what I'm saying? Now, so so what I'd like to do is just, I'm curious, like, what would that look like? What would that look like if we took a season? And I'm not saying we have to do this as a group. I'm just speaking generally. If we took this season and said, okay, we're going to, we're going to investigate the energies of the nighttime. We're going to investigate the energies of darkness. We're going to investigate um, what lies in the shadows. And what if it is some of these darker archetypes like Lilith? I talked about Lilith in one of my videos on my YouTube channel. She's considered a night demon that will come and steal your children. But she can also be considered an entity that advocates for equality, that advocates for women's rights, that advocates for oppressed people groups, that advocates for people who are not harming others to be free to make their choices and live an authentic self. Um, and I know this is sending some dissonance because we're so committed to this light, dark paradigm, which is built on a presupposition. And so I know this is kind of rubbing the cats for the wrong way for a lot of you. And that's not my intention. I'm just trying to be honest 
and genuine and open up the conversation. And I'm just wondering, are there other people out there like me? Because what if it's possible? Now, I know this for a fact. I know this because I experienced it. We can be so much into the light. We can be so much into being light workers, to being high vibrational, to only attracting that which comes from the light, that the light blinds us. Remember, light can be just as blinding as darkness. Sometimes light is more blinding than darkness. Sometimes light is more blinding than darkness. You can be blinded by the light. And so there can be people who are in the light, who have the truth, let's say. Let's just take Christianity. You know, we've got the truth about who Jesus is. We're we're walking in the light. We're sons of the day. We're children of the light. We're children of God. We've been ordained of God. We speak by the Holy Spirit. And yet some of the most hateful rhetoric that I've ever heard comes from pulpits on Sunday mornings. Some of those hateful rhetoric, the energies that are out there, the energies of pride, the energies of superiority, the energies of... of uh, domination we have to dominate the planet the kingdom coming for a lot of people is is uh really a form of spiritual fascism if the kingdom comes and everybody aligns with the kingdom and everybody follows the rule of god and those that don't follow the rule of god are punished or they're made to i mean look at what happened to indigenous peoples when Christians came over from Europe and used their light and said, you have to follow our God. And if you don't follow our God, look what we did to indigenous peoples as people of the light and seeing them as being heathen and seeing their spirituality as being wrong and seeing their spirituality as being evil and seeing their spirituality as being dark. And yet the evil being perpetrated and the evil coming in is the evil that's coming from the light. Come on, that you know that's true. You know that's true. Self-evidently, that is true. So just because we say we're in the light, or just because we say we're connected to the energies of light, or just because we say we're participating with beings of light, does not mean that there is not destructive energies that are coming through in the light. It does not mean that the light cannot blind you. So how do we know then if we delve into the darkness that everything that we're going to get, that, that there's not treasures in there. Like the Bible said, I'll give you the treasures of darkness. How do we know that there's not good things? How do we know that there's not strength that can come from that? How do we know that there's not growth that can come from that? How do we know that there's not development that can come from that? How do we know that everything that comes from that is evil? Sure, you can lose your way in the dark. Absolutely 100%. If you start doing shadow work and you've had a lot of childhood trauma, you've had a lot of serious trauma, and you try to do that work on your own, you can end up just spinning in an open trauma and that can become very destructive for you, and you might need a, somebody who can help coach you or uh, do therapy with you or guide you through that process. Sure, absolutely, that is true. But we shouldn't make the assumption that if I delve into my shadows, if I resonate with some of these things and I explore what these things mean to me and I explore how I can use these energies to benefit my life, we shouldn't automatically assume that that's going to lead to evil or destruction or harmful behaviors. We shouldn't automatically assume that there's nothing good in it, just like we shouldn't automatically assume just because we're all in the light. So this is why what I advocate for for myself and on this channel is what I like to call a third way or a middle path or a twilight path. I don't want to be a light worker. I'd much rather be a twilight worker. I'd much, I don't want to identify 
with the sun. I'd rather identify with the morning star because the morning star is heralding the transitions. The morning star is, is, is the, the twilight period is that in between space. It's that thin space. It's that balanced space. It's why I talked about last week, Jacob and Esau wrestling with each other. Uh, I'm not Jacob and Esau wrestling with each other, but, uh, Jacob wrestling with the angel at the nighttime. That was a nighttime event. A being came to him in the night and he wrestled all night with that being and at the breaking of the day or at twilight or at dawn or at the time that Lucifer is shining, not Lucifer. Well, Lucifer, <laughs> Lucifer is Venus. Lucifer, go, go back and watch my video on, on Lucifer. Somebody's like, what, what, what? He just said Lucifer. I'm talking about the, the morning star which is what the name Lucifer means. But it represented Venus, the herald of a new day. And Jesus says the last I am statement in your Bible in Revelation chapter 22. Go look it up. He says, I am the bright and morning star. He references himself to Venus, which in the Latin is Lucifer. It is. It's just the way it is. Right? So what about this third path? What about this path where we don't lose ourselves in the light? We don't assume. We do away with this childish dualistic concept and dualism concept that we have and we become more nuanced in our approach and we become more nuanced in our spirituality and we become more balanced in our energies between light and darkness and we're able to hold both in balance and tension and we're able to profit from both and we're able to benefit from both and we're able to not be afraid to explore what's in the dark because we automatically assume that it's all evil and we don't just give carte blanche to the light because we know oh, if you say the words love and light, if you say the word love and light and you say the word high vibration and you say the word fourth density and you say the word fifth dimension, oh, it's so good. Oh, that's so good. It just gives me chills. Like, come on, man. Let's grow up a little bit. Let's be a little bit more nuanced. At least that's what that's for me. For me, that's the path that, that I want to be on. That's the path that I want to take, right? And so, again, I'm not I'm, I, I started this out. Those of you that didn't hear it at the beginning, I started this out. I said I wasn't prepared for this. Uh, I'm just going to talk off the cuff. I'm very eclectic. And the other thing I want to say is I'm very flexible in my approach to things. I want to have a lot of flexibility. I don't want to have rigidity. I had rigidity in Christianity. If the Bible didn't say it, it was false. If the Bible didn't, it told me to do it, I was going to do it. If my elders told me to do it, my apostles told me to do it, I was going to do it. It was very rigid. I don't want to be this rigid, light-only, love-and-light person, and I don't want to be this rigid atheist. I like to have the flexibility to say, look, none of us really knows for sure, because if we start asking ourselves the questions that I was asking at the beginning of the video, how do we vet our sources spiritually? How do we actually really vet them so that there can be agreement among other people, right? And, and we can have real confidence in what we're doing and what we're offering to other people in terms of truth and pathways and answers to their questions and their problems. You know, how do we vet our sources? How do we create and generate agreement about that? How do we vet our own intuition to other people? Which is why, if you go back and watch the videos on the left-hand path, I affirm the left-hand path because that means if you want to be love and light and and do all those things and that's working for you and you're vibing with that, I really don't feel the need at all to convert you to anything else. Good. Let's have fellowship. Let's have relationship. I want to benefit from what you have to say. I want to hear what you have to say. You're important as a human being to me, and I honor and respect the path that you're on. If you're an atheist, I want to listen to you. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to get to know you, and I honor and, and and validate the path that you're on, but at the same time, I'm going to honor and validate my own 
beliefs and feelings and ideas, which includes the fact that I resonate with some of these other things that a person who's all love and light isn't going to resonate with at all and turn me off and probably already dropped off the, the, the live video because of the language that I'm using. Because, simply because of the language. Simply because, uh, I'm talking about uh, darkness. Some people freak out that I mentioned Halloween. Some people are going to want to label me a Satanist because Aaron's gone into Satanism now. Aaron loves Halloween. Aaron loves vampires. Aaron loves the nighttime. I mean, I just know where this could go, right? But I still think it's a worthwhile discussion to have. And I'm not the guy who's going to just keep reinforcing a groupthink model without at least saying, hey, let's have some questions about this and let's have some discussion about this. So I'm going to go back and uh, look at some of the comments here. I don't know that I'll respond to all of them. Lots of comments. Thank you, everybody, for commenting on this. Several uh, just, yeah, good morning, left behind stuff. Um, James Pruitt says, was surrounded by the rapture stuff but have never bought into it, always felt weird and off, made me the black sheep of my family. Well, yeah, see, there there again, let me just point that out. Made me the black sheep of the family. Why is it the black sheep of the family that's the one that runs off? Why not the brown sheep? Why, why not the, you know what I'm saying? Why does it have to be the black sheep? These associations with darkness. Um, the collective consciousness reveals itself to people Sorry, I'm going to have to get my reading glasses from now on. <laughs> Dang it. Psychic cloud of their own creation. That's why people think God is talking to them about it. Um, yeah, somebody's uh, uh, pointing out the sort of the preterist view here. I think they said, oops, when it seems to have happened while the disciples were alive, and they quote scripture, barely I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming. In his kingdom, that's generally what's considered a preterist approach, meaning that it happened historically in the past, not something that's supposed to happen in the future. Um, rapture's a scare tactic, absolutely. Wichita Lineman, love your channel. You really are modern day safe. Wow. Now, I, I don't know if I agree with that part of it. Um, but thank you. I appreciate that very much. I'm a modern day seeker. That's how I identify. And if there's wisdom that comes out of my search, then I'm very grateful. So thank you. Thank you very much for that comment. I appreciate it. Um, oh, I like this. I still worry some, but for a different reason though, believing that an outside source in charge allows humanity to continue to put responsibility for ourselves on hold. I believe that change only happens when we initiate it. I love that. Yeah, I think that's a very solid uh, principle. Rapture teaching caused me so much trauma. Yeah, we can spend some time talking about that because um, I know it did for a lot of people. Um, it's all based on the book of Revelations. There's a reason this was on the fence of being excluded. Originally, it was included but not to be taught from. Yeah, that's exactly right. Talking about the book of Revelation, it originally, I mean, there was a big debate about whether or not it should even be in the in the Bible. And then there was an agreement between the East and the Western churches, which was the main delineation in approaches theologically, that it could be included as a book of worship, but never to be taught from publicly. 
And yeah, you could see why they had some wisdom in that. And this, uh, James says, in this time of instant gratification, people are desperate for an instant solution to problems that will take years to resolve. Yeah. Uh, so someone says here, I'm not sure, um, I have the full context of this comment, but they say, so then the vetting process does not come materialistically. Of course it can't, because we're not dealing with materialistic reality. Um, and then they said, when you know yourself fully dark and light, our intuition can be trusted. Yeah. Uh, I now believe in our work is a way more complicated. Yeah, I love that. Um, light is only a concept in our perceptual world of experience. I like saying the more you go into the light, the greater are the shadows cast. I love that saying. Um, someone says, yes, I love falling dark or night during it. It feels, looks, and sounds different. Okay. Somebody out there that resonates with what I'm saying. Uh, someone says here, 4 to 6 a.m. is when I am the most alive. Genuinely, God bless you. Um, I've always wanted to be one of those people. <laughs> uh, goth elegance, poetry about healing from trauma, scary movies, deep esoteric wisdom, the depth of the human psyche, darkness, not evil. Yes, that all of that, all of that. Absolutely. I meant to bring up the gothic um, aesthetic and uh, the elegance and the poetry. Yeah. Healing from trauma. Love that. Love that. Somebody really got what I was saying. Um, I can't see the names on all of these. So if I'm not calling you out by name, it's because it's not showing up. It's just showing up as a comment from a user. Average lifespan of surgeons is 80 years old. If they're focusing on cancer, so as to remove it from the brain. I thought they were supposed to get cancer by collapsing it into their own reality. Why don't they die within a few years of their career starting? Because some of the new age teachers are BS and were designed to shut down anti-racist activists. That was probably from Doug Wentz. Thanks, Doug, for that comment. We cannot fight evil, quote unquote, with love and light alone. It takes a measure of darkness to defeat it, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, somebody uh, points out that they say it's pronounced Sawin, so I'll take your word for it. Um, I think some people say Samhain. Um, pronounced Sawin represents the thinnest veil between the spiritual and the natural, October 29th through the 31st. Yep, for sure. All right, so it sounds like everybody understood what I was saying. I was a little uh, tentative about putting this out, a little hesitant about putting this out. Um, so I appreciate the fact that you guys listen to this. If you're watching by replay, please put some more comments in there. If you're in the group, please feel free to post some questions for me for tomorrow night from this. Uh, you can message me. You can post it in the group. You can j- jump on live, and I'll answer some of those questions. But uh, I'm excited about this path, and uh, we'll see where it goes. So thanks for watching. Um, really, really, really appreciate everybody that takes the time to watch these videos, to like and comment. If you haven't liked, uh, I'm sorry, if you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, please go out to Conscious Spirituality with Aaron Tomlinson and subscribe, like, share the videos, that kind of stuff, um, so we can keep making this content available to people. And uh, it is my YouTube channel is monetized. I also have a link in the description if you want to support our uh, work with donations. Everything I've put out so far in the last three years has been free. Uh, anybody can watch it, um, but the you know, finances help us actually to just be able to do it better and do it more effectively. 
Um, anybody who thinks I'm doing this to get rich, uh, I have plenty of other opportunities and things that I could be doing, frankly. Um, you don't know anything about my financial situation, and I don't need this in order to um, uh, provide for my family. Uh, I would like to be able to do more of it. So anyway, thank you if you're watching um, YouTube live and you haven't joined our Facebook group book. The link is in the bio, and you can join the Facebook group if you're so inclined. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great, wonderful rest of your day, and I will see you tomorrow night at 6 o'clock Mountain Standard Time, 8 o'clock Eastern, or Mountain Daylight Time. We're still in Daylight Time, and 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. All right.